This presentation has been previously broadcast. The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. There's an increased number of people with Parkinson's disease, especially later in the later years, 70 years of age and above. And it's not surprising that it's more men than women, because this particular disease uh, seems to affect more men than women in general. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. All right, that audio from the Mayo Clinic. Good afternoon. It is good to be here with you today. I came across a story that I, I, I want to explore. You know, the great St. John Paul II, he died from Parkinson's disease. And you might have a loved one that has as well. Most of us today, uh, the only thing we've been hearing, I guess, for the past year and a half now has been COVID-19, right? But there is a, it's, of course, it's a pandemic. It's, it's terrible what has taken place. But there's another epidemic that at least one scientist is predicting could happen in the next 25 years. And this is what made me pause. He says the next epidemic that we could see would be Parkinson's disease. He says this degenerative neurological disorder, it, it mostly, is, as we know, it impacts the elderly. You know, And the, the world saw that with John Paul II. Symptoms include shaking, right, that uncontrollable shaking, especially in the hands, the head, eventually being unable to, to hold your head up. Well, the Guardian was reporting that just in the last 10 years here in our country, in the U.S., there have been a, there's been a 35% increase in cases, 35%. And one researcher thinks it's going to double in the next quarter of a century. So what's the main culprit for the increase? And here's what they're claiming. So, you know, you might be able to put this off. Um, there, there's a chemical they abbreviate as TCE. It's a compound that's found in all kinds of everyday products that, that you use all the time. Uh, carpet cleaners, uh, lubricants, degreasers, right? Shoe polish. Uh, the stuff that, you know, uh, those degreasers that, you know, the, the, the slime stuff that you put on your, your tires, your quick spare tire, you know, uh, stain guards. Uh, how much of that is on your furniture, your clothing, things along those lines? In other words... It's in a lot of stuff that you use on a daily basis. But people who live either on top or near the so-called you know, Superfund sites that have a lot of TCE in them have reported increased numbers of Parkinson's disease. So that could include, let's say, Google employees because apparently their headquarters built on top of one of those, those sites. And the EPA found that it was seeping up through the the floor of the headquarters. It could be a big lawsuit too, right? But there are actually a lot of chemicals that are connected to the disease that we have encountered, including cancer. You know, we always hear lots of cans of a uh, lot of accounts of that. And while look, we use these chemicals every day, we we rarely, I think, give them any thought or how they may impact us. So I thought we could look at this. We'll, we'll talk about it. Maybe you've got somebody in your life that uh, you're concerned about. Dr. Anthony J is going to be joining me and. We'll tap into his expertise. He's the president and the CEO of AJ Consulting Company, and he actually graduated from Ave Maria University in Naples, Florida. Great, great, uh, you know, university down there. And uh, he researched HIV inhibitors and earned his PhD in biochemistry from Boston University School of Medicine. And it's great to have him here with us. He's uh, the author of uh, Estro generation too and we should talk to him about that one time doctor thank you for your time good afternoon great to have you with me yeah yeah thanks for having me 
This is a great. I mean, it's not a great topic. It's an, it's to me a topic of of great interest. As you know, John Paul II mm-hmm. was taken by this, and I know a lot of people have loved ones who struggle with with Parkinson's disease. How do you connect the dots between, let's say, a particular chemical? And a disease resulting from that chemical being around, and it may not just be, you know, Parkinson's. It may be something else. But but how's that done? What's the science behind that? Well, they generally do animal studies and things like that. But of course, animals don't usually get Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you oftentimes will see is in a factory where they use trichloroethylene or TCE or some chemical like that you'll notice a huge spike in some issue or other, like some specific type of cancer, uh, six-fold increased risk in Parkinson's, like you mentioned. And then they'll put the dots together and start looking at it more carefully, hopefully, right? Right. And sure enough, I mean, that's what you see. So uh, there's a lot of products, this TCE here in America, but I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's actually banned in Europe. They don't even allow any of it here in, in Europe and over here in America, 250 million pounds per year. Oh my Lord. Are mercy. Produced. So it's, <laughs> it's a problem. 250 million pounds per year. And, and, and so, so Europe, of course they must be aware of the problems that, that it causes. And yet it's in so many different products, isn't it? I mean, these products are probably being used by people listening right now. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, the dry cleaning chemicals, for example, you know, you get that dry cleaning smell on your clothes. Yeah, right. Uh, they use they use it on the, especially those seed oils, you know, how we have like canola oil and flaxseed mm-hmm. oil and soybean oil on everything. They use it to extract those oils from the seeds. Seeds aren't particularly oily, so people are literally eating trace amounts of this stuff. Uh, I also understand it's in groundwater. Is that true? I mean, does, does mm-hmm. you know, how does it get in the groundwater? Does it seep there or is it naturally generated? Yeah, it's a very small molecule, uh, TCE, yeah. and you can actually check your area. There's a website called EWG, and they have this tap water database. It's connected with the government's testing sites. And like, for example, I live in Rochester, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and we've got, the last time I checked, we had seven chemicals over the government's own recommended safety limit in our wow. water. Wow. wow. <laughs> And that's bad. And a lot of a lot of cities, they have like two or three. So I'm I'm in a particularly bad area for pollution that's seeped into the drinking water. <clears throat> and you know what you have to do is filter it. You have to filter your drinking water. I feel like that's pretty basic for everybody. I recommend that for everybody. Uh, you know, we could talk about that too. So let me ask you about municipal water systems. They they do filter certain things out, but you're saying they probably don't filter this molecule out because it's so small. Correct. Correct. They don't. The great killing bacteria, killing viruses, killing living organisms that are dangerous parasites. Yeah. Terrible at, at filtering out birth control, which is part of my book right. that you mentioned in, in my bio. They're terrible at filtering out a lot of these small chemicals that act like estrogen disruptor hormones, or in this case with TCE, you know, alter your yeah. brain and cause long-term problems. And those long-term problems are harder to pin down in scientific studies, right? If, yeah. if you get cancer... Oftentimes that happens a little quicker. The Parkinson's, you're not going to see that in younger people. You know, as we age, our detox pathways, our, our ability to clear out toxins, mm-hmm. our metabolism slows down. So you become more uh, at risk with age. So, so how do you detoxify? I'm, I'm curious about that personally. You know, if that happens yeah. as you begin to age, I mean, 
what, what's the strategy? What's the what's the best way to do that? How do we detoxify? Well, I'll give you at least two, two and maybe more if you want to keep going. But yeah, I uh, one of the interesting ways is sunshine. You know, just going out in the sun actually helps your body break down toxins. And it, it sounds kind of silly, but it's true. Like if you've got a tattoo, and I don't happen to have any tattoos, but I know people that do, of course, sure. you have to put sunscreen on the tattoo because that ink underneath your skin is actually large particles of heavy metals like cobalt and chromium and cadmium. Wow. And when sunshine hits those particles, it breaks them into smaller particles. And then your immune system clears them out and your tattoo fades away. And that's actually how they do uh, tattoo removals. That's a detoxification pathway. Similar, like even if you don't have tattoos, you still have toxins under your skin. Sunshine hits those, breaks them into smaller particles, your body clears them out. So sunshine's a great uh, detox pathway. And then the sauna is another phenomenal way to sweat out toxins. Oh, really? I'm going to buy a sauna. <laughs> I, 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 had another, I had another physician on who said that to me before. I mean, he says, you can't imagine how good a sauna actually is for you. So not just, I guess, you know, getting the, the uh, uh, you know, the, the, the sweating out the, uh, the particles or the, uh, what am I looking for? What word am I yeah, trying toxins. to find here? Yeah. The toxins. Thank you. Yeah, sure, toxins. Yeah. Uh, out of the body. Um, so... Yeah, in terms of detoxifying, easy ways that we can do it. It sounds doesn't seem like it's that bad, but I, I get concerned about other things that we just can't seem to escape from. We're talking, if you're just joining us too, about Parkinson's, and we're finding that you know the products that you use, if, including dry clean. I get my shirts dry clean, right? You put those on or your pants. That stuff I'm assuming is against your body. Your body absorbs those chemicals or those stain removers or whatever else that uh, is is being used in the particular uh, home at the time. Um, what about um, estrogen? Because this is another one of those things that people cannot get away from. I I, I drink out of a plastic bottle, let's say, right? I, I do a, a three-hour radio show, so there's a jug of water that I, I buy, and and I, I, you know, who knows how long that thing's been sitting around and those, 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 uh, you know, estrogen mimickers are, are leaching in there or whatever else I'm getting from that, that plastic. We know fertilizer, uh, and the runoff into the, uh, into the waterways. We know, uh, contraception uh, that is, you know, getting into the water supplies and, you know, there's been studies done, as you know, I'm sure of, uh, you know, wildlife with both genitalia or, or mutations of some sort. How big of a problem are our estrogen mimickers or just estrogen in general in our water supply right now? Uh, it's a huge problem in the, in the rural areas the main chemical you have to watch out for is atrazine. Uh, it's, and by the way, just like trichloroethylene, TCE, that, that triggers this Parkinson's issue, uh, atrazine is the second most used herbicide in North America. Wow. Uh, and it's illegal in Europe. Not allowed in Europe at all. Wow. And it's because it acts like estrogen. In fact, if just to give you some reference here, like the average male, our estrogen is about, let's say, 20 Women, it's about 220 to 200, depending on the time of month. If you, if you put a frog in 300 nanograms per liter of, astro, uh, of atrazine, this herbicide, right. Right. you turn that male frog into a female. Wow. And it, but it gets worse because that's 300 nanograms per liter. In our drinking water, we have a, the legal allowable limit for atrazine is 3,000 nanograms per liter. Wow. Wow, that so doesn't seem right. Drinking a lot of this, yeah, it's not right. And Europe has figured that out. I think the problem is there's a lot of political influence, you know, behind the scenes with money in America. But 
again, you have to filter your drinking water. And there's other chemicals too, like you mentioned, the birth control. So even if you even if you don't live in farmland or rural areas, you know, where there's a lot of spraying chemicals or near golf courses, the big cities have the birth control problem. I mean, the drinking water is full of it. And I go through that in my book really carefully because, you know, when you list out the levels in those, in those situations, in those cities, and how much of an impact that has, you know, we're all taking a low-dose level of birth control if we're not filtering our drinking water. Yeah, that to me is so striking. And the reason I say that, I cannot tell you, I've never heard of so many people struggling with infertility today. You know, I don't know whether there's been any studies done to say, hey, there could be a link here. I mean, if you're constantly oh, yeah. ingesting this, even though it's at a low level, that could be enough to impede, you know, the the, the ability to become pregnant. Have you studied that? What do we know about estrogen and, and birth rates oh, yeah. right now? Oh, yeah, 100%. It definitely causes decreased fertility, complete infertility, animals, humans, you know, fish, all this sort of thing. And, and the problem is with these estrogen chemicals, yeah. first of all, atrazine, and, that, and then we added birth control. But then you add, you can add the plastic chemicals, like you mentioned, from the right. plastic bottles, even if they're BPA-free. The reason BPA is bad, by the way, it acts like estrogen. Huh. You know, a lot of people don't realize that they recognize it's bad, but they don't know why. It's because right. they used to study it as birth control. In the 1920s, it, they researched BPA as a birth control, and it works in that regard. But then they discovered it turns into plastic, and they changed directions. But there's a whole host of estrogen chemicals. In my book, I talk about 10 of them, like that we're literally exposed to every day. Wow. Because, you know, Agent Orange disrupts your estrogen and disrupts your testosterone and your sex hormones, but we're not exposed to Agent Orange every day, hopefully. Yeah, right. But we are exposed to atrazine, birth, you know, these, these contraceptives, these plastic chemicals, and on and on and on. Some of the fragrances. In fact, a lot of the fragrances, some of the personal care products are a hot, you know, hot button. Really? Uh, and then they all add up. You know, it's like one plus one plus one. Eventually, you got ten, wow. and that's a lot more of a dose than scientific researchers are studying because they're assuming you're just exposed to one. So, if women wear perfume or men wear cologne, should they be concerned? Oh yeah, for sure. They've done studies on uh, pregnant women, and they find perfume users have, for example, 170 percent higher phthalate levels in their blood and urine. Wow. Um, so phthalates. Another chemical used in plastic, usually in BPA-free plastic, wow. uh, acts like estrogen in your body. And not only is it used in plastic, they use it in perfumes. It's like a cheap filler. Wow. You know, it's a petroleum product. So, Because you could ask, well, why in the heck are they putting this plastic chemical, these phthalates, and it's spelled P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S, phthalates. Why would they be putting phthalates in your perfume? Well, that's why. It's because it's cheap. It's a filler supposedly it carries the fragrance through the air farther. That's what I've discovered when talking to chemists about why they use it in their products. Right. It's just because it's a cheap filler and parabens, the same thing. Wow. You know, I had, I had heard years ago, I don't know how true this is, but um, people put on deodorant every day. And I somebody had said, oh, I don't do it because there's aluminum in it and I don't want that getting into my body. Mm. How, how, I don't want to say how nefarious, but uh, how problematic is is deodorant. Yeah. Uh, are there chemicals in that that people yeah. should second think or think twice about, I should oh, say? Oh, sure. Really? Yeah, scientists used to laugh. They, just like 
scientists used to laugh when you said saunas are a good way to detox because you yeah. sweat out toxins. They used to laugh and say, no, that's not true. Now it's so well established. There's review papers written on it. There's <laughs> hundreds wow. of studies. It's very clear that that's the case. Uh, it's the same with aluminum. They used to laugh and say, no, 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 it can't go through your skin. It's an inert metal. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've literally had people laugh at me for suggesting that when I was doing my PhD in Boston. Now they've finally done a study on aluminum transdermal uptake, meaning skin uptake, meaning it goes through your skin. And sure enough, it goes through your skin. Now it's pretty low level, but the problem with aluminum, it can bioaccumulate, it can build up. And it's definitely linked to Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. But so I recommend people use magnesium based deodorant because they work. You know, I don't like the glycerol ones, the ones that are aluminum free, but they just have glycerol. It just doesn't work. I've tried a lot of them. Um, but they do make a few magnesium based ones and, you know, uh, those actually work and they're natural. If you're absorbing some magnesium, good for you, you know, it's healthy, it's anti-inflammatory. And then the other problem with deodorants is they have a lot of fragrances and, and in America, they're legally allowed to say fragrance on the label and not tell you what those quote unquote secret ingredients are. Wow. But most of the time those ingredients those proprietary ingredients are just mm-hmm. estrogen chemicals estrogen mimicking chemicals that wow. are bad for you so you don't know if it just says fragrance so i would suggest going fragrance free at least if right. you're unsure about that particular company that you're buying from all right let me do this i'm going to open the phones we'll take a few calls if you want to join us feel free to dial in here's the number for you, you might have a question you might want to follow up on something you heard uh, the number is 888-914-9149. You can call now. It's 888-914-9149. We'll take your calls. Let's start in New Jersey, doctor. We'll uh, say hello to Asha. Uh, did I get that right? Ashu uh, in uh, New Jersey. I get Asha, right? Did I get your name right? Uh, Asha. Yes, you have Asha, it right. Hi. Through. Welcome. Uh, hi. Thank you so much. Um, I have two questions. One is uh, I missed the very beginning of the show where to find out more information that your guest is speaking, like how to zero in on his um, knowledge base. And does he have a website or or where would we go? All right. Doctor, what's the best way to connect or to read your book? And and then I have another question. Sure. That's a good one. Let's let's, let's get everybody plugged in so they can learn more. Yeah, <laughs> I get a softball question to plug my book, huh? <laughs> um, so my book is called, yeah, Drew Drew pronounced it correctly. Some people struggle. It's called Estrogeneration, how estrogenics are making you fat, sick, and infertile. I have a PhD in biochemistry. I graduated from Ave Maria University, actually. And then um, uh, for the past three years, I've been a researcher at Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, a scientist here in Minnesota, so... That's the, uh, oh, and I have, my my website is ajconsultingcompany.com. It's a terrible website name, but I've had it for over 10 years. ajconsultingcompany.com. All right, we can do that. Estrogeneration is is the book. So what's your question? Okay. Now, here's my big question. He mentioned twice, I don't know, doctor, I don't know his name, sorry to say he, uh, he mentioned twice about water filtration. And I, I would like to know, uh, what specific types or brands of water filtration can he really get into that? Because that's something I'd be very interested uh, in doing. Mm-hmm. I had an ozone filter at one time, and the company yeah. recalled it, and now you know I've been with tap water ever since. I, I, it's a wonderful question because do, the doctor, if you're just joining us, we're talking about 
well, chemicals that are in the water and a lot of the products you have. And he suggested that everyone should, you know, filter their water. And I, I'm thinking, well, do you use reverse osmosis? Well, you know, what kind of filtration do you use? So that's a great question. What would you suggest to, to people? An in-house system? Is it something that attaches to the faucet? I mean, I know some people buy Brita's and they just pour the water through the charcoal filter. What do you recommend? Yeah, thanks. Well, first of all, too, my last name is Jay, so a lot of people call me Dr. Jay, like the basketball player, in case you have trouble remembering for the like for uh, Nasha over in, in New Jersey. Dr. Jay. I mean, I don't have any affiliations with any companies in terms of this, but on my website, I do list the specific reverse osmosis system that I use because it doesn't have a plastic tank under your sink. So there's no mm. plastic. It's all stainless steel. And it, and it, it takes all the toxins all the garbage out of your water and then it remineralizes it so it puts magnesium back into it some calcium back into it, it tastes good so again that one's on ajconsultingcompany.com but the most important thing for people to realize with filtering water is you've got to use activated charcoal i wouldn't necessarily recommend just ozone or just uv or something like that because right. again the, the municipal water is well purified regard you're already killing off all the bacteria the viruses you don't have to add more stuff to do that. Usually you have to use activated charcoal because that grabs onto these really tiny little chemicals like TCE. It grabs onto these estrogen chemicals like BPA, like the, like the contraceptive chemicals. It grabs all that stuff and removes it. All right. Uh, I'll tell you That's what, Doc. Charcoal. All right, let me take a short break. When we come back, we'll grab a few more calls. Asha, thank you for your call. That was a great, great call, great question. If you want to join us, our toll-free number, 888-914-9149. Taking a look at a news story that's gotten a lot of attention, an increase in Parkinson's disease. They, you know, Scientists are predicting, you know, in the next 25 years, it could be a real epidemic. And they're finding certain chemicals are the cause of it. And we're talking about chemicals and uh, estrogen and, and things that are now seeping into our, our water. You might say, well, I got a well. Am I okay? Well, we can talk about that. Uh, we'll take your calls for the for Dr. J. I like that. Great sixer when we return. Stay with me. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. This is the Drew Mariani Show. Where else can you get news and issues of the day from a Catholic lens? Keep it here on Relevant Radio. Well, thanks for joining me. It is good to be here with you today. I was uh, over the weekend reading, and I saw an article that I thought you should know about it. It said that rates of Parkinson's disease are exploding, and a chemical, a common chemical, is to blame. And they believe that this chemical is used in everything from dry cleaning to your household products, shoe polishes, carpet cleaners, stain removers. And uh, I've invited today Dr. Anthony Jay to join me. And we're talking about how to keep yourself safe, what you need to know. And we're not just talking Parkinson's. We're talking about estrogen, which is everywhere. And it is probably in your water. And we're seeing how it has caused mutation in wildlife, how we are seeing a decrease in fertility. We're seeing a lot of different uh, issues manifest. And if you have a question you want to get in, we'll take your calls. The number here for you, 888-914-9149. And, Doctor, let's just jump right back into the phones. We'll take a, a few more calls. Um, 
who's up next, Jay? Maria? Maria in uh, Moline, Illinois. Good afternoon. Hi, Maria. Good afternoon. I'll give her another second. Let me move to the next call. Teresa in Illinois. Good afternoon. Welcome. Hi. Um, I've been concerned about water for a long time. Um, and so I work in a school system, and as I've been using cleaning products mm -hmm. uh, because of COVID, I realized one day that a combination of them may be giving uh, me toxic vapors, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. And I decided mm -hmm. I needed to look at the label of this thing. And, uh, and about a week ago, a friend of mine uh, sent me an email and it mentioned TCE, and so indeed, this is exactly what what these wipes, which were distributed, thousands and thousands of containers of these things, right? Um, and so, what I want to know, because I work with, um, uh, because I was using it a lot when I was testing kindergartners. Okay, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not touching them with it, but I had to clean lots of. Right. Uh, cards, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, somebody suggested uh, that they use um, this was just in terms of the cards, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to use to use uh, nitrate gloves, right? So what I want to know, I have a couple of questions. What I want to know is, will the TCE penetrate these nitrate uh, gloves or uh, nitrile? Gloves? Nitrile, yeah. Nitrile, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, it, sh it should be okay. It should not penetrate. I mean, unless you have pure okay. liquid TCE or something, and it might melt it, but I don't think right. it's going to <laughs> Okay. My yeah, it should be okay is, in that regard. Uh, because my interest has always been in uh, radiation because of my background in going to the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. And so um, do you have uh, a good website for identifying all the aquifers in the United States? I do not know. I would I would definitely check EWG though because it's got that that tap water database that I mentioned earlier. Right. It's EWG. Uh, it's very thorough. EWG. Okay. Yep. EWG, e right. EWG okay. tap water database. Okay. All right. And uh, just one more question, and this sure. includes um, uh, Drew, which is that um, uh, in the 1950s there was an article. I haven't looked it up yet. <laughs> But there was an article by a scientist by the name of Luria, mm -hmm. and the Soviets discovered that um, that um, oh, what do you call it? Not shortwave radiation. Um, it's this stuff that comes uh, microwave. Okay, microwave mm -hmm. uh, radiation uh, causes um, it can cause um, yeah. uh, what do you call it? When you uh, brainwashing people. Okay. So, uh, can we ever bring someone on who can look into this and talk about it? Yeah, and, I've never. You know, like I, I've, 4G and 5G. Sure, Teresa, I appreciate the call. In fact, we've had somebody talking about you know your Wi-Fi and 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 4G and 5G. 5G's. I know there's a lot of concern about. Uh, and and doctor, I don't know whether you can speak to that at all. I never heard about microwaves having the ability to brainwash. Have you have you heard anything along those lines? No, but I've looked into it a little bit. I mean. You know, microwave is a pretty weak wavelength, so you have to have a lot of power. It's kind of like, you know, there's infrared light. You can't even see infrared because it's so right. weak. And then you get into red, orange, yellow, green, you know, the Roy G. Biv, and then blue, indigo, violet being stronger. I mean, microwaves aren't that strong. So, 
you'd basically have to put it on somebody's head directly in an open microwave situation or something to get to that right. stream. So, so are microwaves in general, outside of the, the, the ability to broadcast a microwave, I mean, we're talking about the microwaves in your kitchen, right? That heat exactly. your food, that, that excite the, the uh, molecules. Is that at all dangerous? I mean, I, and again, I don't want to be too conspiratorial here. I mean, there have been some people who say, oh, yeah, you know, I'll never use a microwave. I don't know if there's any evidence. We're selling, I don't know how many million of microwaves a year in this country. Right. I mean, what do you know about microwaves? No, I'm not as, as pessimistic about that as a lot of people that are, you know, talking about it. I mean, I've looked at the research pretty close and it, they're, they're pretty safe as far as that goes. I, yeah. I, you know, again, certainly wouldn't want to be like putting your head up next to the machine or something like that. You might get a little bit of radiation, but even that it's arguably yeah. fine because it's how much is it actually damaging your body? Your skin is pretty good at blocking sure. a lot of that radiation. Now, again, I could be disproven. I'd be open-minded about that because I've not looked into it really deep. Yeah. No, I, I got you. All right, we'll take calls. We have a lot to talk about here. If you want to join us, 888 Teresa, thank you for your call, by the way. I will maybe in the days ahead do something on 5G technology. And Did you look into that at all, Dr. J? 5G, are you concerned about that at all? It's hard because I've looked into it a little bit, and I realized it's this giant rabbit hole. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. I have connection. I can email you in terms of who who might be a good guest. I'd love that. Um, but That'd be great. No, I've not done a lot of research. The problem is they use different terms for it in scientific yeah. studies, and yeah. when you start, so when you start diving into that, you have to be familiar with all the different terms that they use yeah. for those different Sorry. types of radiation. I'm just not a physicist. Right. All right. We'll go to Maria next. Uh, she's in again Illinois. Let's see if she's with us this time. She's been waiting a while to join the conversation. Hi, Maria. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Quick question, because we already know that that the plastic in in the, the uh, for four bottles has this um, estrogen that we're talking about, and still, and I mean, it would just just suggest the bottle by itself creates so many things in our cities. Yet they continue to sell water in bottles, and we continue to drink it. How is that? Major corporation does not understand that this is not very harmful to us. Yeah. And, and, and doctor, and what can you do? Okay, hey, Maria, thank yeah, you. Sure. I, it's a legitimate concern because, boy, water bottles are, are everywhere. And they're, they're estrogen mimickers, right, right. That, that we get in our bottles, right? Correct. Is exactly. there a lawsuit? Could there be a lawsuit? Ever thought of, you know, suing these places that, that are serving you water that could, you know, create these problems for you health-wise. But uh, what do you know about that? And have they refuted the science or what, what's what's behind that? Yeah, the problem with lawsuits is they, they I mean, they had one with glyphosate that was multi-billions of dollars, like yeah. $2 billion, I think, and with uh, specific to certain types of cancer and everything. But the difficulty with cancer and with a lot of the health problems from artificial estrogens, including things like depression, Right, like birth control users have higher rates of depression. They've done studies with 30,000 people, and they like a huge group of people, and they have depression, for example, in, in birth control. And, and by the way, children with higher BPA in their urine have higher depression rates. So these things happen. Infertility, there's a lot of things that are very clear, very proven, but it takes decades sometimes to see the health impacts from that. Yeah. And depression is a good example of how difficult it is because people aren't very honest. You know, if you ask them, do you have depression? They, they don't want to say yes because then it's on their permanent record and yeah. all this kind of thing. And so, you know, it's tricky to do those studies. 
And when it takes 10 years for the, the chemical to have an impact and to cause breast cancer, breast cancer is up 250% since 1980 wow. in America. And some countries, it's 500%, like the Philippines. Some of these com- countries where we're bringing all these industrial chemicals in or we're mass-producing plastics and things, you see a huge rise in breast cancer. And dressing up, newborn, like dressing up NFL football players like newborn baby girls in pink is not mm-hmm. solving the problem. Like basically... Raising awareness for breast cancer is not solving these problems. We have to get rid of these chemicals, like you're saying, Maria. And it starts by using stainless steel bottles or glass jars to put your water in after you filter it. Even if your filter is plastic, filter it and then pour it out into a glass pitcher or something like that. Um, and then when you travel, yeah, once in a while you're going to use some plastic, right? Like you go on a, on a flight somewhere, you're, you you travel. I mean, I still bring my stainless bottle, but, right. you know, you don't want to become obsessive about it and hypochondriac. Just just try not to have yourself exposed every single day. I'm speaking today, Dr. Anthony J. We're taking a look at some of the chemicals that are in our water and how they affect you. I am struck by the fact that there's a link between that birth control and depression. I had a conversation with my wife the other day. I'm just looking at these numbers, and I know you're not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, so you probably can't even answer this. Maybe you can. I don't know. The rate of anxiety in this country. So we see the, the this uh, this link to depression, right? So, okay, now there's a link there that you point out. I'm just wondering. I was thinking, well, maybe it's the... Maybe it's this generation of kids that have grown up that have been exposed to electronics or to you know computers, laptops, whatever it is. Maybe it did something to the development of the brain, or maybe it is chemical. I've never I've, I hear from more parents on this radio program. I bump into more people who have loved ones that struggle with anxiety in some capacity at all. Is there a chemical link to that at all? Have you done it? Have you have you ever heard of that or found anything? Or I'm just throwing a dart oh, at the sure. wall here, oh, but I'm certainly. curious. Oh, really? Tell oh, me. Yeah, appreciate that. Well, I do DNA consulting with 23andMe data. Yeah. And uh, probably about 40% of people have risk genes for anxiety. Wow. And uh, most people almost, you know, and most of those genes are related to serotonin. And if you get anxiety, the doctors will prescribe you a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, an SSRI. It's usually Prozac or Zoloft, or Lexapro. There's a whole host of these chemicals or these right. drugs. And they're all artificial. They cause side effects. They're very risky. Uh, and they're trying to increase serotonin in your brain. Now, what most people don't talk about is 90% of your serotonin is made in your gut. Hmm. So if you're screwing up your gut bacteria, if you're eating unhealthy, if you're exposing yourself to all kinds of these chemicals, Again, ingesting them, whether it's through drinking plastic or whatever. Because, again, plastics, these are not something our ancestors were exposed to. These are not something bacteria have ever been exposed to historically. And so, like, our system is not built for this. Our bodies don't know what to do with this stuff. Even the bacteria don't know what to do with this stuff. TCE is similar. You know, it's not a natural compound. It's not something found in nature. We're artificially – it's just not naturally occurring. So – as you can imagine, it screws up our gut bacteria, screws up our serotonin production, and then that leads to anxiety and depression sometimes, yeah. Wow, that, that's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. All right, I'll go back to the phones. A lot of people want to join the conversation. If you're on hold, I'm grateful for your patience. Hang out with me. I'll do my very best to get you on. We'll go to Orange County, California next. Mike wants to join the conversation. He's got a question for you. Mike, good afternoon. How you doing? 
Well, thanks. Thanks for calling. How are you? <clears throat> I'm okay. Thank you. Um, a little, a little background. Um, uh, my wife and I had our first child. Uh, we tried again. She had a miscarriage at 12 weeks. Tried again, had a second child. And then for the next three tries, she miscarried at 14 weeks, 14 weeks, and 17 weeks. We did testing. Um, they couldn't find anything wrong. They said, you know, you guys can obviously make a baby. There's nothing wrong with you and nothing wrong with her. But we're wondering if there's something that we're, you know, ingesting that is causing that. You know, we try to use natural products, but we're also trying to save money. So we're also not buying expensive natural products. Sure enough, yeah. Is there anything um, that so one thing to offer from my experience, and a lot of people that have chronic miscarriages, number one, you want to v get rid of all the estrogens in your in your environment as best you can. Again, the plastics, the fragrances, filter your drinking water. Those are the big hitters. But then number two, a lot of people have a gene called MTHFR. It's uh, Doctors call it Monday, Thursday, Friday, MTHFR. And it, you, you basically struggle to convert folic acid to methylfolate. Now, are, are you, is she taking folic acid? No. Okay. She's taking prenatal because vitamins. I, I'm not sure if that's in Prenatal, exactly. She's taking folic acid, yeah. yeah. Prenatal vitamins have a lot of folic acid. Folic acid, it's fake. It's not found in nature. It used to be patented. And a lot of people have difficulty converting folic acid, this fake chemical, to methylfolate, which is what your body needs to make new DNA. Methylfolate uh, is a DNA building block, right? And a fetus growing really, really fast needs lots of new DNA. And if your body's not converting this fake folic acid to methylfolate, then you struggle to do that and you end up with miscarriages oftentimes. But you want to do at least take methylfolate. Get rid of the prenatal vitamin and take methylfolate. You just type in 5-MTHF in, into Amazon and you'll find methylfolate. Uh, that's a good start. Uh, Drew, do you have any other suggestions? Maybe the John Paul II Institute? Yeah, that's like a that. great one. That's, that's a wonderful one. Yeah, if you're having these types of problems, I would I'd look into the Hilcher's Institute, you know, uh, or John Paul II. There's a lot of people out there who can, you know, help take a look at why your wife is miscarrying at that particular moment um, or that stage of, uh, of development and maybe give you some insight. But, Mike, thank you for the call. I do appreciate it. Uh, Dr. Stay with me. I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll grab a few more calls because I'm up against the clock once again. My guest, Dr. Anthony J. he wrote a book. If you want to read it, it's available at Amazon. You can check out his website. His website, by the way, is ajconsultingcompany.com. He laughs about the website because he's had it for 10 years, but you can find his book, uh, Estrogeneration, there as well. I'm going to take a short pause. When we come back, we'll talk more. Stay with me. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, thanks for joining me, and thank you for your patience. It's always good to hang out with you. If you've missed any part of this conversation, let me just give you a, a little bit of advice. Go back after the broadcast is over and download it. You could stream it. You can you know listen to it again. 
A lot of great information today as we're taking a look at a uh, study that's come out pinpointing some chemicals that may uh, contribute to the rise of Parkinson's. And I've invited a, 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 a guest today, Dr. Anthony uh, Jay. He's president and CEO of, of the company, AJ Consulting. But uh, uh, he's worked for several years as a researcher at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, researching stem cells and epigenics and infrared light. And he wrote a book called Estrogeneration. And uh, we're taking a look at chemicals and the impact it's having on everything from depression and anxiety to fertility. And you and I were talking during the break. And uh, I know you mentioned Jay Poot to the J, uh, John Paul II Center. I had a producer who had four or five miscarriages. She actually went to the Hilders Institute. Um, and boy, they, they're phenomenal with that. I know you wanted to bring up a quick point of clarification, so I'll let you go right ahead. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I said John Paul II Institute, also very good, but I meant to say the the St. Paul, the Sixth Thomas Hilders Institute in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, Paul the Six. Yeah. Again, just a clarification. That's great. That's <laughs> awesome. All right, well, let's go to the phones. We got a lot of calls. Sue is listening in Wisconsin. Sue, thanks for your patience. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Drew. Um, so my mother is 86 years old, and she's diagnosed with Parkinson's. And about two weeks ago, it took a turn for the worst. We didn't know. We thought she was just uh, just dehydrated. They put her in the hospital. She was there for about a week, and they said there's no more that they can do for her. She's at the top of all her meds and such, and it's just such a debilitating disease. It's horrible to watch her. She's down to 100 pounds. Wow. I want to know, is there anything at all that we can do for her right now to help her rally back? She, she, does, she tells me, I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. Oh, no. And uh, she just doesn't have an appetite. She doesn't want to eat. She doesn't want to drink. The ability for her to eat and, eat and drink is still there. So she's not at that point, mm-hmm. but she's the hunger I and mean, she's just not hungry or thirsty anymore. Okay. So is there anything, I mean, anything at all that we can do? Anything, anything we can give her? It's hard. It's, yeah, it's a challenge. Um, I don't have any like amazing suggestions or I'd probably have a Nobel prize or something, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, yeah. I've definitely seen a lot of research on creatine. Creatine has beneficial properties specific to Parkinson's. It's very cheap. It's over-the-counter. It's very safe. The other thing, I would look into the research on nicotine, like nicotine gum. I'm not talking about smoking cigarettes, just nicotine. Um, Right. There's a lot of research being done on the benefits of nicotine. All right, Sue, hang in there. I'm sorry. I know how difficult it is to lose a mother, and this is a tough time for you. I I hope those were... I just can't do this. I know. It's horrible. Okay. And then I have one other quick question. Yeah, go ahead. Um, bottled go ahead. water, like Smart Water, Dasani, you know, um, all the waters that are pH balanced and alkaline, are those okay to drink? Hmm. And is everything that oh. has that TCH hmm. in it, does that TCE. have to be, or TCE, yeah, does it have to be marked, uh, you know, in the ingredients? Right. Is that a law? Yeah, well, it's not going to be in the ingredients for things like dry cleaning. You know, if you pick up your dry cleaning and, the, and your clothes smell like that, you might want to just put them out in the garage and let them air out for a day or two or something. But but in terms of those smart waters, if they're in plastic, that's a problem. I would not drink them every day. Once in a while, it's fine. I would filter your own drinking water. Yeah. And if you want to pH balance it or something, throw a little magnesium powder in there or something like that. Don't Don't buy those plastic bottled products. Uh, regularly. So let me ask you a personal question. I, I, I have a bunch of bottles of water, right? And they'll rattle around in my car. They'll you know fall off the seat and end up under the seat, right? If they freeze or they're exposed to sunlight in the car, 
does that leach even more chemicals into that? So, like, don't drink that bottle of water if it's in the hot sun for a while or if it's frozen, right? Is exactly. It... The heat. Yeah. The freezing heat. is okay. fine. Freezing freezing slows down molecular motion, so there's less transfer. But when you heat things up, it speeds up. So anytime you're, like, boiling something in plastic, it's terrible. Like, heating something in the microwave, even worse. Yeah. Room temperature is bad enough. And, by the way, oils are worse, too. There's more yeah. transfer with oils than with just water. Huh. Uh, so, like, olive oil in a plastic bottle is more problematic. You want to get it in glass or uh, that's, avocado that's oil or something like that. And, and then um, the microwaves, if I put saran wrap, plastic, over your food to reheat it, or if you get those glad, yeah. you know, plastic, you know, containers that people have, they put their leftovers in, and they reheat it in the microwave, is that problematic? Yeah. Does, does that leach the, the chemicals into the food? Only if it's in food? contact. Oh, Which yeah, it is, right? But if, you, if you've got a cover and it's not touching the food, it's fine. But if it's yeah. in contact with the food, it's leaching. And if it's liquid, it's leaching even more. So, so I've, if you, out, I've used, I use glass Tupperware, but yeah. Yeah, so you know, put the plastic Tupperware, if you're heated, that's probably not a good idea. All right, well, let's just... Yeah, take it out of there. Yep. All right, good yep. to know. Steven is listening in San Antonio. Hey, uh, Steven, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I have uh, two questions. I currently have a reverse osmosis system, and I typically use sodium, but should I be using potassium? And my second question is, what are your thoughts on alkaline water? Hmm. Yeah, sure. I mean, alkaline, they've done studies that doesn't really change your pH of your blood necessarily, but it's not bad for you. It's good. I mean, I, I would recommend nose breathing and focusing on breathing as opposed to mouth breathing, and that actually changes the acidity of your blood even better, even more so, especially at night when you're sleeping. Uh, there's a book called Breath by James Nestor. If you want to learn a lot about that, it's a very powerful tool. And uh, just putting sodium, I agree with you. I would add some potassium or something. Are you using just table salt for the sodium? I'm 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 using Steven? a typical uh you know um, Morton's salt uh, that yeah. you sell and you salt put it salt. to your reverse osmosis. Right. I would get I would get a there's a company called Redman and they have an ancient seabed in Utah so there's no pollution because it's an ancient seabed. Wow. Or something like that like an ancient seabed like Himalayan salt. Put something like that because number one it has more iodine and it's actually pink in color and number two it's got more potassium and you want yeah. that potassium. Most Americans have too much sodium and and not enough potassium. Sodium is yeah. fine if you have plenty of potassium, but you want a better ratio between those two, between sodium and potassium. Yeah, I had a doctor who was on the program with me, and he recommended pink Himalayan salt, you know, to drop in. He's just a couple yep. grains, put it in your, in your water that you're drinking, and it'll be really good for you. Correct. I also have a, a friend that uh, you mentioned, you talk about the seabed in, in, in Utah. He was getting something from some ancient lake, some sort of blue or green algae. Are you familiar with that at all people algae. take? Oh, sure. So yeah, what, what sure. is that? What's that all yeah. about? Well, they're supposed to absorb toxins. Um, it's a little bit questionable, though. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of the toxins you have are actually stored up in your fat cells. Mm -hmm. And so if you take a some you know, some of these algaes and it's just staying in your gut and going in one end and coming out the other. It's not actually ending up in your blood and it's certainly not ending up in your fat cells. And that's actually one of the biggest problems with these estrogen chemicals too that we've been talking about, like BPA, phthalates, these birth control chemicals. They store up in your fat. Yep. So it's hard to research because sometimes they're in there yep. and you don't pick them up in the blood that much. But there's a lot, like they've even done studies on polar bears, Drew. Polar wow. bears in northern Alaska, they studied 11 of them. And all of them had parabens in their fat. Fascinating. That's parabens like from fragrance. And that's, that's unbelievable. Like so it's working wow. up a chain. 
Boy, that's that. You know, I, I learned something new about colognes and and perfume today too. That should be an eye opener for a lot of people. Joy's listening to us in San Luis Obispo, California. Hi, Joy. Good afternoon. Hi. Good afternoon. I apologize if this has already been discussed, but I was wondering what Dr. J's opinion was in regards to the isoestrogens affecting, like, the masculinization of the fetal brain. Oh, good question. And how that might affect dysphoria. That's a great question, Joy. Thank you very much. Go ahead, doctor. I'll let you take that. I missed the very last part, how how it might affect... Fetal uh, brains. What was the word? Yeah, just fetal brain. I I picked Uh, that up. Okay. But, yeah... Sorry, say say the very last the last part of your question, Joy. Just just normal sex sexualization of the brain, and might that explain yeah. some of the gender dysphoria? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In fact, I've talked to people behind the scenes, even doctors at Mayo Clinic. I've talked to them about this because, of course, nobody wants to go public and say this because of the politics. But yeah, right. There's a major issue with that, and in animal studies, you can pick it up. I mean, they even talk about male feminization. Uh, in in professional scientific journals, from atrazine specifically, that's one's most common. Um, but a, a number of other, you know, like chemicals, like I say, that act like estrogen. It it, it generally demotivates animals. Like if if you've got a male and you give them these birth controls or you give them other estrogen acting chemicals, estrogen mimicking chemicals, you see a lot of these. Uh, you see apathy, especially sexual apathy. Yep. And you, again, you can read about that in my book. I go into a lot of detail on that. Wow. We only have a couple minutes left. Let me see if I can sneak another call in. Um, oh, let me see who's up. Carol, listening in Wisconsin. Carol, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Drew. I'm so glad I got a hold of and let the doctor answer my question. Long ago, I heard about polypropylene glycol as right. being not a good thing. Mm. I find out Correct. even in the COVID shot, and I once I really? called a doctor who was in charge of making something that I heard the doctor talk about Rochester, Minnesota. They have a, a cream there that's especially good. And I, they gave me a chance to talk to him. And I said, why do you put polypropylene glycol in this? Because he said, you wouldn't like it if I didn't. But it's in our food and everything that's huh? used to defrost. All right, I'll tell you what, I, I'm gonna, your signal's breaking up a little bit, Carol, so let me let him respond to that. Isn't that the chemical that's in uh, antifreeze? Yeah, and well, I mean, yes, and, and I was going to say, I thought she was going to say polyethylene glycol, which is what yeah. they're using in the COVID vaccine. That's probably what she meant. Um, yeah, well, and it's funny because I know a scientist from NY, from New University, and he's always been out talking because he, he studies toxins as well just like i do and he talks a lot about how bad polyethylene glycol he's been saying it for years and then when they came out the covid vaccine he suddenly switched his, his tune and started saying like well it is bad but we know we got to do this for the greater good knowledge it's polyethylene glycol polypropylene glycol these are not natural chemicals again there's something that we're making from petroleum products our ancestors were not exposed yeah. They're problematic. I'd be very skeptical of those. Hey, Doctor, great talking with you today. I'd love to have you back. We can revisit this conversation and more again. You can check out the doctor uh, online at uh, you know check out his book Astro Generation and be sure and share this conversation. It'll be in the archives.